0: man. Awesome. All right, as you're seated, maybe we can slide together so that some people can sit down. If not, there's some chairs. Well, they're not there now, but they were. Maybe we used them all. Did they push them in that cafe room? Jason, you want to open that? Did we use them all? Okay. We won't be that long if you guys need to stand, but there are some seats down here in the front, uh, both all the way across here and down there. So if anybody wants to sit there, in the over in the back over here. So if we get a little bit of house lights for us, so they can see where they need to go if they need to. And you guys are welcome to stand. I don't mind. I'm a, I'm gonna stand the whole time too. All right. What a great day. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. What an awesome season. Been one of my favorite Advent seasons that I've ever had in my life. God is so incredible. He is a, such an amazing God that we serve. Thank you so much for accommodating us in one service today. Obviously, this isn't normal. We have a 9:15 and 11 usually, but because we're doing the toy run later for the kids, uh, we wanted to make sure that we wanted them to have uh, toys for Christmas Day itself. So we do plan for that on Christmas Eve day, and it just happens to fall on a Sunday. So uh, those of you that are riding in the vans, if you pre-signed up what you needed to, you need to sign that waiver as well, uh, just so you know. And uh, we want everybody involved in that. If you didn't get your communion, please do. You spent at least five minutes a day, at least five days last week reading or listening to God's word? So from some of you that are new here, we ask accountability questions each week. And the reason why we do this is because if we're going to be a Christian, it's not just showing up at church. It's living a Christian life out there and staying in tune and in touch with God and following the direction of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So we ask these accountability questions and I want you to answer out loud. Did you spend some time alone with God this week with no agenda? In other words, not just telling him what he needs to do for you, but to be with him. Did you do that? Yes. All right. You know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Yes. Are you giving as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? All right, did you share Jesus with someone this week? Come on, this is the easiest time other than Easter for you to celebrate and share Jesus, right? You have your family captive. (laughs) Take advantage of it. If they don't know Jesus, they need to know him. They should know him through your life and the way that you're living, but make sure that you share it with them this week, especially, okay? You invite someone to church with you today? All right, just want to tell you thank you. We love you. Kim and I, uh, this is our 19th Christmas that we celebrate with you as your pastor, which is crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. It's crazy how time goes. Next Sunday, we'll be uh, getting ready for the new year, and we'll have our regular scheduled services, just so everybody knows. It'll be 9, 15, and 11. Come back and join us there. But today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, as you've heard and you know. And the theme for this Sunday is love, and we've been covering each and every one of them from hope, Peace, joy, and now today is love. So many are confused today about what love is. I know this, that even though I grew up in the church, my father was a pastor, I didn't follow the ways of God when I was young, not at all. I heard them and I knew what they were, but I didn't follow them in my life. Church, love is just completely misconstrued and screwed up in the world, and oftentimes in the church. And in the church hasn't taught clearly what it means and what it is. And God's word speaks to us about this very thing. And we've been singing songs about that. Over and over through the years, I've read these verses. Pastor Mike, uh, helping to lead us in worship today, is uh, Justin's out of town. And Eric just had surgery this week. And so Pastor Mike did a phenomenal job with the team leading us. Thank you for doing that. We love you. Yeah, thank you. He read the verse to you that we read, and we pretty much read this verse almost every single Christmas because of what it says to us. And it's found in 1 John chapter 4 and verses 7 and 8. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So when we look in the scripture, see what it tells us, since God is love, we cannot love without a relationship with him and the presence of God within us. Amen. This is what's wrong with the world around us. We're trying to explain love and we don't know God. And the world is trying to experience love and the only way to experience love is to know God through the sacrifice which is love, Jesus Christ. And so the confusion comes in because the world is pursuing something that is missing. Remember, God created us in the very beginning for relationship with Him. And in that relationship with Him is love. And it is not available any other way than in a relationship with Him. But the world tells us it can be found with anyone else. And as we pursue that relationship with someone else, we pursue love, we do not know what we are looking for, therefore we are doing nothing more than pursuing with our flesh. And without God, you can't do anything but pursuing flesh. And so we have to understand God and what love is before we can ever love someone the way God intended for us to love in the very beginning. So when we were made by God for that relationship with him, he brought Adam and he gave him, Eve, a man and a woman, to experience love and that relationship that he planned for us to have with him in love. Right? Okay. So we got to understand some things. We cannot love without God. And so human love without God is nothing more than a mirage. That's why so many relationships are failing in the world around us, because we've been taught something that is not true. See, we believe that love is Merely a feeling, an emotion in that context. We think love is having a physical relationship with someone, and it is not. When we look in the scriptures, we understand that God is love, therefore we know that God is not an emotion or a feeling, but God is and so when we know that God is and we are trying to understand love without God, there's no possible way to do it. So as we've been looking at the scriptures, the word of God tells us that the devil comes as an angel of light to deceive the world. In other words, he comes as false love. So he's trying to get people to pour themselves out into the world's offering and telling us what love is. The whole while there's no way for us to experience or know love until we know the one true God. And so as we listen to this, listen, church, the love the world sells us is emotionally driven, physically driven, and it's empty. And so after the the feelings leave and the emotions begin to just be normal, we think love is gone, and it's not. (laughs) So here's a classic, this isn't to depress us, we're going to get excited here, but I want to speak the truth to us because we need to know the truth, because I've been in the ministry for a long time, dealt with a lot of people, and I know this statement. I don't think I ever loved you. When someone makes that statement, they are basing their relationship on how they feel in the moment. They're saying that because they no longer get the emotional rush of being with that individual, and the vast majority of the time when someone makes that statement They're pursuing a relationship with someone else because they feel something. All right? So church, see, this type of love, when I say, I don't think I ever loved you or I don't know if I ever loved you, what we are basing that whole thing on is an emotional feeling. And so, when we look in the Word of God, God says that He is love. And when we experience the true love of God's Word, It is seen in who he is and and what he's done and the way that we were made. So if God created us to have a relationship with him based in love and then we sinned, in other words, we kicked God out, what we did is we kicked love out of our lives and now we're trying to fill that love gap with everything other than God. And the only way to fill that is with him. And it's only through Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. In other words, he is love. You see, in 1 Corinthians, you all know this, right? The famous love chapter. It says this, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. (laughs) See, what we see here is without love, whatever we do or however we do it, It's empty. So there's a lot of people that don't know God that do charitable acts. And the reason we do charitable acts is because we're pursuing that feeling. I'm not saying we shouldn't do charitable acts. But see, oftentimes charitable acts are done for me, not for the person I'm doing it for. Because when it's not done for God and the very purpose of God, then we are doing it not in love, but in action for self. So as we look at what God's telling us, He is telling us that if you do anything outside of Him, there is an absence of love. Okay? So you see, church, here's the deal. We're going to learn something right now about what love is in that same chapter as we keep reading. So what we just saw is what, how we uh, can do stuff, but there's no love. It means nothing, but as you read the very next verse, listen to what it says. Love is patient and kind. Aren't you glad God is patient and kind? (laughs) Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. I'm so grateful that God wiped out my past. His love has erased all that stupid stuff I did, all that opposition to who he is. Everything that happened back there, he erased that, and he keeps no record of that wrong. That is love. Man, some of us, man, we're, yeah. (laughs) We're mad at the person that we're spending our life with just because they uh, did something that I didn't like, right? And we tell them about it in three weeks again. God says that love keeps no record of wrongs. It's like I forgive you and it's gone. If you keep bringing up the past, you have a problem. Seriously. If the enemy's trying to bring up your past to you, it's not your problem. You need to release that and give it to God and live in the moment of his love, which keeps no record of your wrongs. Listen to God's word again. We keep reading. It is. Does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Church, when we look at what love is, you see that God is pursuing us relentlessly. God has offered everything we need in life. He is calling to us and making this plea to us, offering a complete wipe of the slate and saying, here it is, this is what you're searching for. This is what you need, and this is what you were made for. Church, this is what God wants us to do right here. Love is a commitment to meeting others' need. All right? So love is a commitment to meeting others' needs. That's what it is. See, God came to us and met our need, the one that we couldn't fix ourselves. Now listen, if you apply that in human relationship, And you hear that that sentence I just said a few moments ago, I don't know if I ever loved you. What that's saying is, I don't have feelings for you. I therefore question my love for you, right? But when we look at the word of God and what it says to us, it's meeting the other's needs and it's not about me. Therefore, when I make that statement, what I'm saying is I'm trying to gratify myself and I don't care about you. When God says what love truly is, is meeting the need of the other person right where they are. Right where they are. That's what God did for us. (laughs) Okay. This is God's word. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son. You see that? This is how God God is love. But this is how He manifested His love for us. He gave. Now listen, as we read that scripture that we all know in John 3, 16, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This is love. Salvation was given for you and I to believe, to escape the judgment that our sins demanded and required. The gift of love is all about an offering that will result in our benefit. What God did for us, we could not do for ourselves, And what he's giving to us is this opportunity to experience what we were created for. Sin robbed us of that. The only way you will ever escape love, if you're out there pursuing stuff right now and you're seeking love, you will not find it outside of Jesus Christ, period. It's God's word and he says so. Now listen, the gift of love is all about an offering that will be a, a benefit to you and I. But listen to this. God is God, regardless of our decision. He is love regardless. This is who he is. You can accept it or deny it. It doesn't change his existence or who he is or what he's done, right? So what I'm saying is, everything is back on us that God has provided and offered to us. It's up to you and I to embrace this love of God or not. So the offering's been made. In other words, God's proposal is on the table. God has already gotten on one knee, and he has said, will you be mine? Right? He's made that offering for us, church, for God's so love that he gave. It's right there. And all we have to do is say yes. (laughs) That's it. Is that crazy? Seriously. All we have to do is say yes, and we can experience what we were created for, and that is the love of God. God. Now in that relationship, you see, it's just like when I proposed to my wife and she said yes. Now when we agree to that and we make that relationship in that covenant, there's boundaries of that relationship, right? So living in that relationship means I am living in love. So think about it. It does not matter. My wife is sick today, like so many others with the bronchitis thing that's going around. But just because she's sick doesn't mean she doesn't love me or that we're not in love. But right now, she doesn't feel anything for me. I guarantee you. Right? Seriously. It has nothing to do with that. See, we've made a commitment to one another that is bound in God's love that says, I am there for you. And I'm here to meet your needs. And therefore, no matter how you feel, I love you. And this relationship that we've agreed to and said yes to is all hinging on us living within the boundaries of the love or the yes or the commitment, right? Okay, church. So God says, I love you. Will you step into relationship with me? When we say yes to him and we step into that relationship, God then has boundaries for that relationship. And that means that we need to live in love. That's within his boundaries of a relationship. That means we do what God says. It's not about me. It's not me doing my thing. It's me now being committed to him to do his thing. Yeah, you see, it's about others. So once we have that amazing transformation in ourselves. God says, now you are going to experience love for the first time. I can tell you right now that prior to my giving my life to Christ, I thought I loved Kim. We were teenagers dating, and I thought with everything within me, I loved her. But the night that she and I gave our lives to Christ was the first time I ever understood how I loved her and what that meant. It was the most amazing thing in the world. And as I stepped out into the world, everybody that I hated... And that was everybody, (laughs) except her. Seriously, I mean, I'm just saying, all of a sudden I saw them different. (laughs) I was completely transformed. It was in January of 1982, and I can remember stepping out. It was an evening service, and I remember stepping out the doors and seeing the snow on the bushes on the left side of the stairs as we left the church, and I saw it sparkling like diamonds, and I was just like in awe of God. I'd seen snow all my life, but I never saw it like that. You see, as I began to step into the world, everything was new. And it was new because for the first time, I had in my own life a relationship with God, and I saw things differently. I experienced things differently. People weren't the idiots that I saw them as. I mean, some of them are, but you still love them in it, right? But I mean, I yeah, I'm saying like I saw everybody in that context. But as I look at that, I was like, Lord, this is a commitment. And that's really what love is. God committed himself to us. For God so loved the world that he made this commitment to us. And it's a pending commitment that's an open invitation. It's not a you have to. It's a here I am. See, love doesn't demand. It doesn't. Love invites, and love loves. That's God, and that's what he's done for us. Now, as I step into this, since God is love, and Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, we can see love in Jesus. So, he has so many things to help us understand love a lot better than what we've been taught or experienced or understand things. And one of the more difficult things for us to grasp as we read what Jesus said here in Luke chapter six, you ready to hear this? Listen. But to you who are willing to listen, are you willing to listen? This is what Jesus said now love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. you. Pray for those who hurt you. See, that's not human. (laughs) It's not. But did you hear that at the very beginning? See, Jesus again gives an invitation. Those of you that are willing to listen, this is what this means. Love is not about those you feel good about. (laughs) See, it's impossible for me, go back to that idea of thinking like love is an emotion or a feeling or an experience. Like, um, you know that good stuff? People that are wronging you, hurting you, or have mistreated you, there's no way to have good emotional feelings about them. Right. Right? Right? I mean, they've hurt you. It's real, but that doesn't mean anything, you see, because that's not what love is in the first place, but we've been told it is, and therefore, when we look at what Jesus says, the reason why that flies in our face and we're like, I can't do that, it's because I don't have good feelings for those people that have done that to me, but I can love them in spite of my feelings, because my feelings have nothing to do with it. God is love, and God has loved me even though I have done those very things to him. I have spoken those things to him, I've offended him, I've wronged him, I've deliberately done things against what he told me to do and not do, and yet he loves me. (laughs) So you see, it's uh, not about our warm, fuzzy feelings. (laughs) It's not. Church, love is not that. Love can affect our feelings. There's no question about that. But it's, that's not what love is. And so the things that we've been told by the world and even some of the experiences we've had in church, see, like, this is what happens to church people, Christian people. We go to church and we feel good in our singing and praise and worship and in this environment. And so what we a lot of times say is, man, God was so present. Why? Because we felt something. But if you felt nothing today, it doesn't mean God wasn't present. It means you weren't connected with him in some context more than likely. Because when God shows up, something does happen. And he is there. And he is here. He's with you online. I don't care if you're alone in your house. God is there. He is omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere at all times and the devil's not. All right, So God is with us. He's amazing. So here, let's, like, we, we, oftentimes we look at Jesus and we kind of separate him as a different category because he's God in the flesh. And so when we look at the context of what Jesus taught us right here about loving our enemies, bless those who curse you, etc., let's look at a human example of what Jesus was talking about. Stephen was a layman in the church in the book of Acts, one of the early leaders of the church that was not a pastor. He was not a prophet. He was not a priest. He wasn't anything. He was a leader in the church. I don't mean he wasn't anything. I'm saying in office. He was a man of God, right? And because he was a man of God, he was an easy target for the enemy. And they brought him out to kill him because he had faith in Jesus Christ. And so they were going to stone him which means they were going to all pick up rocks and hit him until he was dead. And they began. Listen to the word of God here in Acts. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, this is why he's getting hit with rocks, church. Look! I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragging him out of the city. So this is where the rocks start. And began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats, laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. (laughs) All right. Remember what Jesus said? Love your enemies. This isn't Jesus we're talking about. We're talking about Stephen. But Stephen, there's something here that we need to absolutely know, church, as we look at this what we see is the love of God in action in the death of Stephen. The Holy Spirit was present in his life. We read that in the word of God. First off, the only reason he was put into a position of the church is because he was identified as one who was filled with the Holy Spirit. God in the flesh, I mean in his flesh, the spirit of God living in him. It was obvious. And the word of God tells us right here, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, Right? The Word of God says that testimony about him as he stood there and they were condemning him. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and he spoke that with boldness. Do you know why, church? Because the human cannot love like that. Only God can. And God was in Stephen. The Holy Spirit was in him. And in God's Spirit that lived within Stephen, he had the ability to love those people that were actually killing him. No, that's not normal. And you and I, as we think about it, we're like, I don't know how that could ever happen. That's because you're thinking in your flesh. See, when we're standing in the Spirit and God is there, we will face everything we face in life in the power of the Holy Spirit when we're following God's ways, living with the boundaries of that relationship, and God himself will show up. And we will live that life out. Even in death. It's God's promises. See, love in action is forgiveness. Aren't you glad? <laughs> love in action is forgiveness. Look at what God has forgiven you of just you, not the people around you, not anybody else. Think about what God Himself has forgiven you of. You did not earn it, we don't deserve it. But the moment we repented, God, (laughs) he forgave. That very moment that we repented, he forgave. And his love was poured into us, and we were made new by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so you see, when the the Word of God tells us that when we are a child of God, that the Holy Spirit affirms that in us, that affirmation of the Holy Spirit that I'm a child of God is the affirmation of the presence of love. And it's all made possible because of God's love for me and you. It's the only way it could happen. It is available because of the virgin birth, because Jesus was not born through human Father, he was born by a presence of the Holy Spirit impregnating Mary the Virgin, and he came as the second Adam, in other words, made perfect, sinless, and he lived that life in that manner, though he was tempted like me and you. He lived a sinless life, then he died, and he rose again, defeating death and sin, and he ascended to the Father, and he said, I have to go because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. In other words, the fullness of your relationship with God could not be fulfilled until he ascended and the Holy Spirit descended because, church, that now opened the door for God to live inside of you and I. Yeah, it was now not an external example of love. It was internal. It was in the very soul that we have. And so we celebrate today that the light of the world has come and that light lives in you and I. And it is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, our one and only. Man, is he awesome. (laughs) All right, so we pause in the midst of all of our celebrations, hopefully, because God loved us. And in the midst of this, none of that is possible without him. And therefore, we do not only celebrate his birth, we also celebrate because of his death and resurrection. And that's why every Christmas Eve we have communion. We have communion because you see, without the manger and the cross and the empty grave, there is no hope or salvation for you and I. There is no love that is available for you and I. He gave his life for us. Therefore, we pause in the midst of all that stuff and understand that love involves a surrender of self. Did you hear that, church? Love involves a surrender of self. And Jesus did that for you and I. And therefore, when the love of God lives within us, it's about a surrender of self. Now it's all about him and not me. So if you picked up a communion cup, which are back there on the table, if you did, these are all inclusive. There's a little bread that you open on the top, and there's a cup underneath. But as we get ready to do this, it's important that we would pause for just a moment and understand something. In 1 Corinthians, the scriptures teach us something. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. In other words, we're celebrating the first advent looking to the second. We know that Jesus Christ is coming again, and he tells us as often as we do this, we're doing this remembering that he gave his life for us so that you and I can experience life and have a hope of the future relationship that we have in him. The next verse says this, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. I'm going to keep reading verses, but I want you to hear me because it's important. The reason why we don't just do communion all the time is because of what God's word teaches us right here. This isn't just part of a church experience, it's not something we just do because we go to church. This thing right here doesn't save you, only Jesus does. However, if you understand what this means and you do it wrong, it has grave consequences. Listen to the word of God as I drink this. So anyone, as we read this together, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Ah. See, each time we do communion, we always have to have that time where we have a a self-examination. This isn't about other people. This is about me and God. And it's about my relationship with Him. And if I think I have a relationship with God in any other way than through Jesus Christ, you're wrong. We're wrong. The only way that we can have a relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. That's it. And the only way that is possible is because he gave his life for you and I. Therefore, we have to give our life to him. And so we have to examine ourselves and see if there's anything between us and God that is not right and not following in his directions. Anything. Church, you see that? This is God's word. This isn't not my idea. This isn't just a church's teaching. This is the word of God that tells us we need to examine ourselves to make sure that everything is right between us and God. That's not to scare us from not taking communion. And the whole reason why we do this is because everybody needs a checkup. We need to pause for a minute and make sure that everything's right with me and God because you see what happens in relationships a lot of times is we get comfortable. And then we start taking advantage of that. And we can lose what that relationship is actually meaning, which is how we interpret falling out of love. And so today, we have to come into this place where we experience the fullness of God's love by understanding what it means to me. Jesus, the Word, became flesh. And so he tells us, I'm giving you this bread as a way for you to remember that my body was broken for you. I paid your sin's price for you. He says, and when you drink that cup, remember the blood of Christ is what bought you, for life is in the blood. And so, church, as we do this, we're going to pause for just a few moments. And everybody there at the Gospel Rescue Mission campus, as well as Village of Oak Creek, and those of you that are home, I want everybody to pause. I just want you to reflect in your heart about what God is saying to you, what you need to say to him. <laughs> is your right, heart right with God today? Are you right with God today? That's the question. Let's examine ourselves right now. So on the night that Jesus would give his life for us and be arrested and the next day be crucified, there at the last supper, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. Father, thank you. Thank you for your gift of love to us to restore us into right relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, for giving yourself to us. When your heart is ready, church, take and eat the bread, giving thanks to God for what he's done for us. This cup is non-alcoholic, just so everybody knows. We have a lot of people in recovery. We don't use that for that very purpose. just want you to know that you're welcome to take that. And it says, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the blood of Christ. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And it is through the shed blood of our perfect Savior, the spotless Lamb of Calvary, the King of kings and Lord of lords, that we are made right with you, God, and thank you for the gift of love that you have poured out upon us today. Thank you. And so, Lord, we receive this understanding that it represents the blood of Christ. And so, church, we take and drink together. Thank you, Lord. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for today and what it means to us. For those that do not understand this relationship with you, we pray that today they would make a commitment to you and say yes to Jesus. Lord, as you have offered yourself to us, that we might receive this incredible gift. We thank you. Lord, as we part today and we go out on the toy run, to family events, to things that are happening and preparing for tomorrow, Pray that you would be the center of all that we do, and we thank you for this celebration. We thank you for our nation that recognizes this day. <laughs> May we take full advantage of it, Lord, and celebrate you to the fullest. We love you we thank you. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas, church. You're dismissed. Thank you for being here.